Hello listener and welcome to Switch. This is not a test. It's a whole test summer with a double header ashes to boot. It's time to dig out your whites and put up your dukes. Johnny Bairstow is back, Ben Folks is not, and there's more injury woe for Jofra Archer. Joining me to get stuck into the latest are Andrew Miller and Vidushan Hantaraja, who've both been called home from the lucrative franchise circuit to prepare for some proper cricket. Or baseball as we call it now. Um, hello both. Good to see you. Um, Miller. You've actually been retraining as a snapper over the last week or so, <laughs> both wildlife and sports photography. Indeed, I, I, yes, I've been, I've been chasing kingfishers on the River Lee, which I'm getting increasingly successful, but not brilliant at. And um, yeah, somehow I, I was down at um, Bangladesh Island at Chelmsford this week, and it turned out there were A, no photographers, and B, no English journalists. So it was uh, just, just me doing muggins with, with, with my point and squirt, um, doing, doing some photography. So uh, it was quite fun. Um, a really fun atmosphere. I mean, I, 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 we've got plenty of other cricket to talk about, but it's worth just mentioning that there was an international series going on in Chelmsford this week uh, involving Bangladesh Island. It, it, was a, it, was, it was a corking little series. Um, two very close finishes and a washout and a great crowd. Um, a real tribute to Essex's efforts to try to reach out to their East London Bangladeshi community who are literally half an hour away. And finally, it, it, you, know, you can argue it's taken them 50 hundred years too long to, to notice that they've actually got the got a huge demographic on the doorstep who actually quite like their cricket but um they came in the droves and it was a really successful few days so fingers crossed that that's a good sign for for the wider game but uh, yeah probably other things to talk about today <laughs> well yes i mean you always get a good atmosphere uh, down at chelmsford even if you can't sell alcohol um vish you've been you've been north since the last pod and you've and you've made it back safely um, never mind Bearstow's glove work. How gently were you handled up in Yorkshire? Um, yeah, I mean it was. I was Soft I was southerner welcome, that you are. Yeah, I was going to say welcome with open arms. They just <laughs> they just let me in, I suppose, which was yes. good enough. Um, yeah, I got slagged off by one of the people working at the door at Yorkshire because I kept taking the lift instead of the four flights of stairs. Um, she called she called me soft, and I was like, oh, okay, I've had the full Yorkshire experience. Brilliant. She's right as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll get straight into the announcement of England's test squad face Ireland, which saw Bairstow confirmed as wicketkeeper ahead of the Ashes. James Anson was also included despite sitting out three days of Lancashire's game against Somerset with a minor groin strain. Uh, Zach Crawley keeps his place at opener. There's a whole batch of seamers to pick from, including Mark Wood and Chris Wokes. Uh, but it's the duelling gloveman who interests us most, Miller. Is it a case of that's all folks? Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, it's not exactly a new debate either. I mean, you know, you, you think of Jack Russell versus Alex Stewart. More recently, Geraint Jones with Turles and Ashes came in ahead of Chris Reid. It's always the expedient option, really, isn't it? If there's a, if there's a slight debate as to the merit of two guys who, 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 who deserve a place, the, the better batter will always win out. And frankly, you know, the... the it's the wrong debate in, a, in many ways because Bairstow, after his performances last year, it was, an, it was absolutely non-negotiable. He had to be back in that team. I mean, regardless of the fact that uh, he broke his leg horribly, um, as we mentioned in the previous pod, um, Vish and I were both, uh, well, we were all there witnessing, witnessing him expounding his, his ability to get straight back onto it mm. uh, at the Wizard Dinner a few months ago. And uh, when Johnny Bairstow says he is ready to do something, you believe him. Uh, because he has got the, the he has got a, an ability just to drive himself beyond 
what most people are capable of. And therefore, I've absolutely no doubt that even though his leg may not be fully right, often he hasn't properly tested it. Obviously, county cricket is is one thing, but the full a full Ashes series will be something else. It's gonna it's gonna be a, a strain for him. But you back a guy like ba- Bairstow to come good, and so he had to be in there. The the sadness for folks, wisdom cricketer of the year, folks, among other things. Um, he hasn't done a lot wrong. Um, you know, he 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 was a vital part of of England's transition into this new sparkly team. Even though, as he said himself at the early in the summer, I'm not really basball. Uh, but the, I guess his presence in itself was a was an indication that you know all the hype around basball and what it actually means. Does it mean just slogging for work? No, it doesn't. It means basically be the best version of yourself that you possibly can be. Find find the extra percent inside your your confidence, your self-belief, and and show us what you got. And he did that. He, he showed that with his gloves. He showed that with the bat. He you know produced winning winning performances in the first two matches of the last summer, uh, match-turning century alongside Ben Stokes at Old Trafford. Um, made good runs this winter, but equally this winter he lost out to Ollie Pope of all people with the gloves, which was a fairly good harbinger. Of, of what was to come that you know if push comes to shove and you've got to find a way to to balance your side and on that occasion shoehorn an extra bowler in to to combat dead pitches in Pakistan it's a different different balance dynamic this time around but the same principle applies it's like sorry you, you if all you're in the side to do is catch really um someone else can be right on to catch and um maybe score more runs it's it's brutal but it's not a new debate um, Bish, as you were writing about today, I mean, uh, folks, he played nine out of 12, I think, under uh, Stokes McCullum. Um, he's averaged 38.9 with the bat, so pretty respectable. But he was left out, as Miller's mentioned there, in Multan. Um, and I think at the end of the series or uh, end of the winter, uh, McCullum was asked about Bearstow coming back in, and they said they wouldn't sort of try and shoehorn him into a, yeah. a like yeah. an opener position for instance which kind of left only one other option yeah yeah folks was asked this um quite bluntly at surrey's media day probably too bluntly um because the journalist who asked the question you know he started the press conference with this and got it a bit wrong but basically said you know how have you found it filling in for johnny bairstow <laughs> which obviously isn't true but <clears throat> folks took it with good enough grace that i wondered oh maybe you know you know what he means you know what you could just kick back at the question um as hilarious a way as that would be to start off a press conference lovely man though ben Ben folks yeah Yeah. absolutely but evidently he knew you know he knew what he meant um just hearing the word bearstow um said about you know put the situation in his head that he had to address and i thought he addressed it quite well he said he, he had to ignore the noise he had to basically control what he can control and let the selectors make the decision and they have and the thing you know, throughout his career, ever since he started in 2018, ironically because Bairstow broke his leg when he came in, broke his ankle when he came in in Sri Lanka. When he came R- in, rolled he, his ankle, didn't he? Well, yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he, play, he ended up playing the last test yeah. and he scoring 100 Bairstow, rolled his ankle. Um, <clears throat> he played... Johnny heals quickly. but he, he, <laughs> <laughs> he then played in 2021 to give people a rest, essentially, during the um, Ed Smith's rest and rotation policy during COVID. Um... And he's always been someone who, whenever they use the phrase, he's done everything asked of him, what has usually been asked of him is just to fill in, really. And the thing that I think he can possibly take away after he's dealt with the blow of missing out is that he's stepping aside for 
as Miller said, someone who did absurd things last summer, like things that you can't ignore, things that, you know, have him coming back at the first opportunity now that he's fit. But, yeah, I mean, you you have to feel for folks. I, I, I don't think anyone, you know, even if you're pro though, wouldn't have any sympathy for folks. And at the same time, you know, the thing I worry about to a point is that in any other situation, you'd celebrate the fact that Besto is back in this team, that Besto will be playing again this summer for the England Test side. And yet, it already feels like the the circumstances are slightly different now. Last summer, it was very much like, yes, this is the Johnny Besto that we were told about. Yeah, how good is it to see him with a smile on his face? And now, you're almost waiting for the Twitter blow-up from that first <laughs> drop, that first misstumping, that first, you know, maybe, you know, it's a first dismissal, but, oh, you know... Folks would play that situation a bit more sensibly, yeah. Um, and you know that's that's the only thing I worry about. But you know, best though back in that environment with Stokes and McCullum, who know exactly how he ticks, know how to make knows how to make him feel comfortable. I think that aspect of it will be fine. But I mean, it was a difficult situation. And credit to the selectors, they made it. At the, you know, the first port of call. Um, as you say, we have been here before with Johnny and the gloves. Yeah. Slightly ironically, the last Ashes in England was the last time Johnny Bairstow was the first choice keeper, and obviously different coach, different selectors. Um, they moved on at the end of that went to Joss Butler, who's not currently in this discussion. Um, I mean, I suppose that's, sorry, that's the other thing. Very quickly, because mm. previously, I suppose folks has lost out to the idea of a Butler or the idea of a Bairstow. Now, you know that I, uh, that idea has come to fruition. Maybe not necessarily with the gloves, but. Mm. I mean, that's the, be- the best, though, last year was the best, though, that he was originally ousted for. And I think it's fair to say Besto with the gloves has done a pretty... He certainly improved a lot. You know, he sort of went through the Matt Pryor uh, cycle of, 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 you know, not impressing everyone entirely and then, and then getting a lot better. Um, folks exists on a different plane for many people, certainly as a pure gloveman. And Miller, in, in the sense of, you know, whether he plays again or not, I mean, Rob Key was saying he'll probably be in the the squad to tour India where um, your glove work is uh, under that uh, I guess that greater scrutiny I mean <laughs> there's every chance that he's going to be sort of rotated back into the position again in uh, six months or 12 months time I mean there's a huge chance because fundamentally he's one of the very few red ball specialists that England have, have, have got these days I mean you know there are there are multi-format guys who clearly are in demand across formats Joffre Archer among them who obviously we'll come to in a bit but there are also guys who literally are not putting themselves forward for white ball cricket in the way that folks is. I mean, he's he's almost unique in that. Even Joe Root's now gone to the IPL to do basically nothing. Uh, <laughs> but you know, he's he, so therefore, you know, he's an asset that England have got as a, you know a rock solid option when they are in need of options for whatever reason, be it rest and rotation, which still is a relevant thing given that given that we've got a World Cup coming up this winter. And you know all the extraneous details that go into the, well this, this this I mean if if it's true that England are going to go and play the opening match of the World Cup on October the fifth straight after the end of the English summer I mean God knows what that means for the back end of this this year but you know it, 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 we'll face that when we come to it but here is a a red chip chap in in, in folks who is clearly good enough to be slotted back in as and when but. Um, just to go back to what Vish was saying there about about the idea of, of folks, uh, the idea of, of Butler and the idea of, of Bairstow, it, it, it is fascinating that this is exactly where this, where we kind of left off the story in 2019. It's like, 
at the end of that summer, when Bearstow got dropped, and you know, you could talk about folks being mistreated by the selectors and all the rest of it, but you could argue that the second most mistreated player in recent English history is Johnny Bearstow, simply because he's never been given a chance to be a settled player in any given position. Here he is batting at number three, or batting at number seven, or batting at number five, or batting at everywhere. And at the end of that summer in 2019, he got dropped, and he didn't just get dropped, he got given a proper proper chastising by Ed Smith. It was uh, Ed Smith being put on his strongman act and sort of said that, we you know, Johnny, you know, really, we do expect more of Johnny, which is exactly what you're saying. Like, the idea of Johnny was not that, I, that Johnny would average, what, 23 in the ashes and just dribble along and get bowled every other ball. Uh, but equally, the guy he got dropped for was another guy who England were hoping was going to come good, Joss Butler. I think averaged 25, batting at where he was, 7, 8. God knows where he was in that Ashes. He was a specialist was uh, number yeah. 7. Yeah, yeah. Specialist yeah. number 7, doing nothing, uh, averaging 25. And he was the guy who retained he, he his place. He got a 50 at the Oval, I think, didn't he? Which kind of, I think he did, but uh, maybe. But, <laughs> but fundamentally, fundamentally, there, there was this, this, this great grand plan that, that these, these two guys should be good at Test cricket. They should be able to crack it. And finally... Besto cracked it last summer, albeit at number five without the gloves. But, you know, in 2016, he had the gloves and scored 1,700 runs in the, in, in the calendar year. So, you know what, we've, we've seen what he can do when his mind is on it. Um, Butler, it would appear, is completely out of the out of the picture for Red Bull cricket. Uh, no one has even raised the notion that he might have been picked in this squad, which which is fine. He, his his ship presumably has sailed now, but it doesn't, doesn't change the, the fact that for the past what, four years at least, and probably longer, England have been sort of pining for, the, for this ideal. The, the, these two guys could be, could be the rock-solid pillars of the side that pretty much Joe Root and Ben Stokes have become, and obviously Anderson and Broad have always been. Um, add those two, and that's six players who are locks in an England test lineup. And at the moment, we've got five of them at locks. And that, 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 that's, you know, you take that, frankly. Maybe, yeah, Bairstow at number seven, um, no messing around, uh, uh, let him off the leash. Um, he's only played two matches uh, since that leg break, both for Yorkshire. Um, and we, we, we might touch a little bit on Yorkshire's fortunes later in the pod. Uh, it hasn't done them much good, but um, that's, a, <laughs> that's a rather different scenario. I think um, the, other, the other top line from the announcement today, and Miller, you have mentioned his name, the latest uh, dispatch from the war of Joffre's elbow. Um, Archer suffered a, a recurrence of the stress fracture that <coughs> afflicted him first in 2020. Um, he's been ruled out for the summer, although interestingly, Rob Key, the uh, managing director of England Men, suggested that they were hoping he might still be in contention for the World Cup in India later this year. Here's what Key had to say in his press conference earlier today. Well, look, he's got another stress fracture in, in an elbow that's been you know, a troublesome el elbow for a long time. But again, you know, I, I just hope, I've seen, you know, people like Pat Cummings missed a lot of cricket and he's at the early stage of his career. And now now Australia is starting to see the benefit, of, well, not the benefit of him missing it, but that he's been out of play and he's been able to put season after season together. And I'm hoping that at some point, Joffre, who deserves a bit of luck, to be honest with this, because the poor lad who, who's pretty distraught about what's happened and it's only just happened recently, obviously, you know, you just hope that that luck turns for him at some point, as I'm sure it will, and we'll see him. And, and the one thing I'd say about Jofra, I sometimes read and you sometimes get the feeling that, that people think that he, you know, 
he's going to go down a white ball road that he's not going to be in he's not interested in test cricket that there's other things on his mind that come first that's absolutely not, not the case you know he is desperate to play all forms of cricket he's been he's been desperate to play test cricket as well um and i hope that he gets the chance to do that i'm you know i'm sure that there's going to be a fairly taxing road that he's got to go down to get this fixed and get this sorted but i'm sure we'll see him back at some point was it the right decision for him to go to the IPL? I think when when something like this happens, you, you look at every single thing. You start looking at the whole thing we've had in place right from before Christmas when we had the whole sort of everything mapped out for how we wanted him to get back to getting ready to play in the Ashes and then the World Cup. So when you then get to this point and he can't do it, you start looking at that. But the fact is that... You know, he's not been able to he's not been able to play or bowl more than four overs without feeling any sort of pain. So regardless of the way that we've gone, whether it's been right or wrong, I don't think I'd change anything because you get into the point where actually he's had an issue that we need to just solve now. And you know we're going to look at every single thing we've done. Everything we've done has been what we thought was the right thing for the player first, not actually for anyone else just saying what's the best way for him to be able to have the best career he can possibly have um and that's not worked out um so we'll look at every single thing i'd say firstly vish should archer have gone to the ipl uh you know what i don't think it matters really i think if um if you look at the plan that the ecb had for him which they articulated back in november on that um lions tour in the UAE, uh, Rob Key spoke about a roadmap that they had where Archer was going to, you know, Archer trained with the Lions. He then played that game against England, then went away. He was going to pick up with the SA20 where he played for MI Cape Town, and then from there move into the ODI tour against South Africa, into the ODI tour against Bangladesh, and then go to the IPL to basically have a bit of a tune up before the, before the summer. Um, and to be honest, it was absolutely fine it was seemed to be working really well um and then they just realized come the you know during the ipl whether it was before or after he ended up going for that elective procedure in belgium to clear out his elbow that you know he suffered a recurrence and i think uh, there was an interesting line in that rob key press conference about when he was asked if you know maybe archer needs to look beyond test cricket now or stop looking at test cricket i suppose and you know, Key pointedly said, well, you know, all cricket's been a problem so far. Um, if, yes, if he was, you know, I suppose the IPL thing comes down to, would Archer be hurt if he wasn't playing cricket? No, Archer wouldn't be hurt if he wasn't playing cricket. But at some point, he, he was going to have to. Um, that is his probably, job. Yeah, and it probably wouldn't have been with Sussex. And, you know, I suppose that's the, that's the sadness with all this. It doesn't feel like there's any real way out of it. And I thought it was also interesting that Key pointed to the fact that, you know, the ECB are going to look at what they've done. You know, have they made a mistake along the way? Or rather, what is it about the way they brought him back that could have been different, you know? And that's, I think that's quite healthy. But at the same time, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't bring back a, a summer for Joffre Archer, does it? I mean, the fact that he said that, that he's not ruled out of the World Cup is purely because of the uncertainty. There's no sense that, oh, Archer could be fine by, by August or maybe the start of September. It's just because you don't know. And that's really the sad thing, and that's the thing that I think, you know, your heart bleeds for Archer in that regard, because this isn't a person who's feeling pain 
and not playing because of it. This is a guy who's feeling pain and gets a scan that tells him he's got another stress fracture in his elbow. And it feels like there's there's no end point to this up until maybe he decides to call it quits. Whether that's a, from a format, whether that's you know in the game outright. Um, and I'm not saying that Archer is in a position where he has to think about walking away from the game altogether, but it's not the kind of thing that does go away. It is the kind of thing that needs constant management. I think the thing I will say is this idea that Archer would go off and take a year-long contract with the franchise is actually quite stupid, really, when you think about it. Because why would it, why would Mumbai Indians, for example, take that risk away from England? Why would you know? Why would they assume that themselves, given that everything so far has been done specifically from the ECB's point of view? Everything has been done with Jofra's best interests at heart, and yet we're still here. And I don't know that they could have done anything differently. Mm. I don't know if there was anything, you know, he he's been doing all the rehab, he's been doing all the all the training, evidently because you know he performed well when he came back from England at the start of this year. Sometimes things like this happen, and they are unexplainable, and ultimately just really really sad. Yeah. One thing I would say though. I do believe, genuinely, I think it's a redundant question to ask, should he have gone to the IPL? I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's equivalent of asking a cricketer, should he breathe? You know, you have, you have, a, you have a lifespan as a cricketer. Your, your lifespan as a fast bowler is probably going to, unless you're James Anderson, it's going to peter out just soon, soon after you turn 30. It's going to start dipping away. Archer's not there yet. And there is money being thrown at players like Archer who... I don't blame him for wanting to cash in. I don't blame Ben Stokes for going to CSK and doing nothing. I don't blame Joe, Joe Root for going to Rajasthan Royals and doing nothing. You know, these guys are, are being paid to be present at the biggest franchise tournament in the world because they are huge names. And that in itself is, is the answer to the question, should he have gone? It's like, and, and would Mumbai be willing to take the risk? I mean, in your quick rundown there of, of what Arch has been doing to to build his way back into format there's a there's a little clue as to, as to as to what's going on here when you mention mi cape town it's like mi cape town he, he is mumbai indians cape town archer is increasingly a mumbai indians brand ambassador for want of a better word and therefore of course they'd want to have him on board as, as some as something that it's he's their story as much as he's england's story these days and, and frankly it's been two years since he played for england in, in any great sense of the word uh, so increasingly he is an ipl a franchise brand ambassador fundamentally so you know it's a really difficult balance to strike but i don't think there's any any point in sort of quibbling about players thinking you know what that people want to throw me money for for being present at an event and i'm not actually sometimes in you know i'm not gonna be doing an awful lot while i'm there but you know they're happy to pay me <laughs> it, it, it it strikes me as a really reductive Question to say, should you, should you have done that? I was like, well, you know, well, you want to pay me to go and sit and, sit and, <laughs> sit and do nothing for a bit? I'd be delighted, thank you very much. Um, so it's all part of the, the broader shift in dynamics in, 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 in the world cricket. And, you know, again, I come back to what started the show with. There I was down at Chelmsford for an international game where basically nobody in the world paid any attention at all, apart from the locals who turned up to, to watch Bangladesh. There wasn't even a TV deal. You know, it was, a, it was essentially a lastminute.com deal to, to screen the, the, an international game, albeit Bangladesh Island, but, you know, 
they're still well, they're still top 15 ranked sides in the world that are competing there it, the international game has has reached a tipping point that you cannot blame players for looking around and thinking you know what there's something going on over there that that is actually uh, where where things are happening uh, i wouldn't mind having a piece of that you, you can't you can't blame them for saying i i, I want to get on board because if they delay it and say oh, well maybe i'll just hold my elbow's a bit hurty i'll i'll defer that contract till next year the next year doesn't come because your elbow's still hurty and the next year doesn't come and suddenly you've missed out on however many thousand pounds of payment a million pounds of payment that mm-hmm. uh, you could have got by by being present so it, it, it's not it's not a sensible question in my in my uh opinion i retract it um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, given the uh, the history that we've just been um walking back and forth around you could say if they if the ecb had kept archer sort of in cotton wool through april and may and then put him into a first class game in order to prepare for the ashes be in exactly the same position because his elbow would have gone twang then as well um just on i mean this you sort of touched on on his England future uh, and kind of picking and choosing between formats we had on uh, on Stump Mike. Uh, I'm going to call him a colleague, Ian Bishop, um, whose uh, words I think we we all uh, pay attention to when he speaks. Um, I mean, he sort of counselled Archer to forget about Red Bull cricket. Um, I mean, he's, he's obviously not going to be thinking about it for a while uh, in any shape or form. Um, Key was more optimistic in his uh, when he spoke and, and made a comparison with Pat Cummins who had you know serious injuries much earlier in his career I think it's fair to say but um I, I mean is it what 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 are the what is the likelihood that Joffre Archer doesn't play another test again do you think I suppose highly likely um but I wouldn't say he's spent the last few years concentrating on Red Bull cricket on test mm. cricket specifically I think the only Red Bull game he's played in the last few years has been the certainly since the start of the 2021 summer, I think it was a second team game for Sussex, something like that. Yeah, well, like, yeah, I was what was that, that game in the UAE, the uh, the warm up game? Was that oh, there was. I mean, that was yeah. Okay, yeah. there was there was also <laughs> that as well. So he played one day and you know bowled ten overs. Fair, um, but yeah, like I, I wouldn't say that he's you know it's not like his workload to be you know in training to get him to a level where he can play Test cricket. Or what's what's done this? Mm. It is just playing cricket. So whatever the you know whatever the issues are, then you know they need to find them. But in terms of if he plays a test again, you know what? Maybe he does in two years' time. Like you just don't know. I suppose the the idea behind the Pat Cummins thing is the fact that you know he had these serious stress fractures of his back at a young age, and then you know fast forward a few years later when he'd only played you know a handful of first class games, he was like right, you know, back and ready for test cricket, and he's played it ever since. But you know, yeah, maybe. But then I suppose you know as Miller said the. There probably well, there were fewer distractions back then when Pat Cummins was going through that period. He didn't really have to entertain the idea of oh, you know, I might go to KKR and um, you know live it up there and go to the there are other franchise competitions around the world. So I suppose it'll be a different decision for him to make. It might be made easier going forward, given this injury, what the ECB do with regards to central contracts. Now Archer has had a central contract all the way through these injuries. Mm. And they're obviously talking about revamping them, multi-year deals and this, that and the other. And I suppose there'll be some dexterity into the kind of deal that you would give someone who is injured, who hasn't played for you, you know, much over the last few years. 
Um, so it'd be interesting to see how that works. Certainly, the, the central contract he's on now is not of the same value as, say, the central contract that Jimmy Anderson is on, which I think is an important distinction to make. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it depends how that looks and whether he takes that and it allows him to still do all the other things. You'd imagine after what's happened in the last month or so, even though the ECB have had control over Archer, I think they would want a little bit more control with whatever deal they do give him, if they do give him a deal at the end of this summer. Indeed. Well, um, we, again, this is one I feel like we're going to be talking about and revisiting in the future. Um, Joffre Archer's last first-class game was in May 2021. Increasingly long time ago. Um, there's lots of hurty bits and bobs in the England camp. Um, Miller, the, uh, the, uh, the weekend, the, the uh, before before this uh, update on Archer came out, the the thing that um, got the ashes antennas whirring was uh, Jimmy Anderson's tender groin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be a better way of putting it. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm very happy with that description. But uh, at the very least, it's the episode title, isn't it? <laughs> Um, Anderson is in the squad. Uh, he he limped out. Uh, well, I'm assuming he limped out. out. I don't think anyone saw him after uh, the first day but, um, of Langshire's last game in the in the county championship. Um, but he's in the squad. He's in the 15-man uh, group to play Ireland. I mean, there's lots of other bowling options in that squad. There there must be, uh, you know, in the back of everyone's mind that little concern that four years ago um, Anderson rocked up for the first um, Ashes Test of the summer, having been, you know, cotton-wooled and, and primed for it, um, and bowled four overs before his calf went, and then that was the end of the series. Yeah, and that, that's, it's clearly a concern because, you know, he, he pop groins are, are nasty at any age, but age 40, a pop groin, take from me, it takes a while to, <laughs> to resolve. So, you know, it, 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 is, it is a concern. So... Um, I mean, England have named a 15-man squad with huge numbers of bowling bowling options. I mean, there's uh, Matt Potts is there. There's Chris Wokes back. You know, Lord Specialist nibbling nibbling it down the slope and taking six or 17 or whatever he did when uh, Ireland were bowled out for 30, 38. I mean, he's not a bad option to to throw back in for what would be a, a, a first game for him in in 12 months. So. Um, or a bit longer than that actually. So um, yeah, there are options there. There is cover, but I mean, he is—he's there, and he, by all accounts, he's fronting up tomorrow. I believe you're going up to Old Trafford, and, and he hasn't been pulled from speaking to the media yeah. at Old Trafford uh, for for an event uh, on Wednesday, which is a good sign that Anderson is going to front up and tell us we're all idiots for worrying. Um, so sounds like he's prepared to be bullish on the subject, which is a good sign because you know still got still got um, best part of a month until that first test, and if it's just a little little bit hurty at the moment, even for a creaking forty-year-old, a month should be enough time to to get back uh, back on top of it. Um, but yeah, you're right. There are there are injuries all over the place. God knows whether Ben Stokes is capable of walking or, <laughs> or doing anything. As you say, we, we we barely seen barely seen him. He just lurks around on the on the fringes at CSK and doesn't do an awful lot. But um, you know, he, he's 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 not not getting injured because he's not doing much. Um, but I suppose fundamentally, all of this all of this comes back to the the, the, the basketball ethos. And you know, equally, you know, Archer's the question: Should Archer play red cricket, a uh, red ball cricket? I mean, frankly. He'd have to be out of out of his mind to to play any more red ball cricket, given what we know about his elbow. But equally, the whole point about what England have done with their 
red ball cricket is to make it aspirational. They, you want to be, you want to play for this team because it looks like the most fun going uh, that you could possibly have playing cricket. I mean, you know, they talk about the IPL back in the day, the early days of the IPL and the Tamasha that, that followed around all the parties. I mean, some of those have perhaps been scaled back uh, in the light of a few few dramas that have uh, that have cropped up along the along the along the, along the way. But you know, Vish was out there in 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 New Zealand, and it looked like. Uh, a glorious golfing holiday, frankly, interspersed with a bit of cricket, and sounds like um, sounds like the Aussies are going to do do likewise up in Liverpool, Lithams and Ands, or wherever they're going to hole up and play golf. Wait, wait for the team to group up. I mean, it sounds like this is the way that you make Test cricket attractive. Is that you know what? It will hurt for five days, but we'll make it worth your while because you'll have the time of your lives playing the the most competitive, best form of cricket you possibly can. So, so that I suppose is the is what's at stake this summer. You know, you, you, there will be a lot of people who will be creaking. A fair few people will will come into come into the Red Bull game, having perhaps not uh, not given it a lot of thought lately with the IPL and whatever. But um, and the, you know the T Twenty World Cup and everything else that has distracted over the winter. Um, but you know, come. Come the, the, that first day in, in mid June, um, the Ashes is back, and frankly, that you know, an Ashes played in the spirit of baseball is something that, frankly, any cricketer on earth would want to be involved with. Frankly, and, well, and we, should, you should, we, we hope that that doesn't need <laughs> too much selling. Um, there has been a lot of talk about this being the most kind of anticipated series since since two thousand five. Um, the Australians been doing media over the, over the last week or so. I think Nathan Lyon suggested there could be a whitewash. I don't think he means in England's favour. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I mean, it, it, the, the idea that uh, the Ashes would be a draw uh, is, is you know, not surprising. The Ireland test was a little bit more of a question mark, you know, wh whether England players would come back from the IPL. Stokes always said he would and kind of has to really given he's not playing he's <laughs> not being picked for CSK well, it's, it's funny it's funny um, actually because uh, and it probably feeds into Miller's point earlier Stokes said he would and then two days later we we got word from the ECB that oh um you know I, I think he was I think you've over-egged um, <laughs> what he said there I said, well no he said he'd come back he's like oh yeah you know he's got to talk to CSK about all that and stuff like that so <laughs> Yeah, he knows where his bread's buttered, but he is back, yeah. Yeah, so back. I'm sure he's been looked after very well, um, uh, uh, you know, rehabbing whichever bit of him is hurting <laughs> the most. Uh, I think the latest we had from our, our man out there, Matt Roller, was that, you know, still looking, uh, st still struggling a bit to be bowling, kind of full tilt during the ashes. Um, and he's, he's back. Uh, the, the other kind of names that, that may have been, may or may not have been in question, I mean, Joe Root is currently in Rajasthan Royals team and they could still make the knockout stages, but he is in the squad for Ireland. Harry Brook um, had one of the biggest IPL deals going and, uh, well, scored 100, uh, a very impressive 100, but not much else and is, is now out of Sunrisers, Hyderabad's 11. Um, and I don't think they're in, in line to get through. So th there hasn't been a sort of a, a clash on that front in the end, unless you're counting sort of... Um, Sam Curran or Moeen Ali, I suppose. Yeah, but I, I suppose the the worry then is, um, you know, in what state are they coming back in? Like obviously, we talk about Stokes, and mm. there's an element of trust with Joe Root. Someone like Harry Brook to go from that high and you know suddenly be out of the team. Mm -hmm. Do you worry, given that he was, the, you know, the brilliant thing about Harry Brook over the winter specifically? Obviously, he made his debut in that last test against South Africa. 
but over the winter it was just you know they, they, they uh, like uh, that you know exuberance of, of youth really they, they say you know they often say about golfers that you're, you're never a more uh, attacking putter than when you first start because you don't know what it's like to have lost you know you mm. know a big pay packet because you go through and every shot is makeable and you know harry brook is kind of coming out of that phase isn't he because mm. he's had the big pay packet he was the you know the main guy the one that everyone was on top of even even the fact that when he scored that hundred he said you know indian fans were having a go at me so it's nice to stick it to them <laughs> You know, I love that. <laughs> I, I love that attitude. Probably one of the worst places to, you know, to actually articulate that. You know, in a, a post-match presentation at whatever stadium they're in. <laughs> um, you know, in front of 50,000 of them. But, yeah, so, like, you know, he's someone that I think, certainly McCullum and Stokes, it sounds like as soon as he's back in the country, you know, in their care, get around him, pump his tyres back up and, um, you know, set him off. But... I mean, yeah, no, no, one, one thing on that, though, I do think it is helpful for him to have failed. Uh, for England's purposes, mm. it's helpful because this is the trouble that, you know, the, the, the extraordinary upward trajectory for Harry Brook in England circles has been unstoppable. I mean, not just his form for England, which has been mind-blowing, but his form for Yorkshire prior to that. He made such, and, and um, you know, 100 for superchargers, you know, everything he's touched. Lower calendars. <laughs> and them too, yeah, exactly. Everything he has touched for the past two years, frankly, he's basically made at least a 50 and usually a 100. It's, it's been preposterously good. And now suddenly that bubble has burst. And it, I think it's happened at a really useful time for England, to be perfectly honest, because it's rather, rather it happens now, he's learnt a little bit about failure on a big profile stage where frankly no one no you know there are more people in England care about the IPL than previously but still not nearly as many people care about Sunrise Hyderabad's fortunes as they do about England's and the Ashes so for him to come back with a little bit of vulnerability is not what you're looking for but a little bit of realization that, okay things can go wrong but as you say if, if Stokes and McCullum get around him and pump his tires up and remember, remind him of Royal Pindy and all the rest of the fun things that he's done it's a good time for him, you know, and also have a bit of that bite back of I, I, I've got something to prove now. I mean, he hadn't got an awful lot left to prove uh, coming out of the winter. Although it was quite funny that his last innings in the winter was well, he got a duck. <laughs> and he went back into the dressing room. And apparently, McCullum, to, McCullum said, "Oh, it was a good ball." He got run out without facing. <laughs> <laughs> Mother cricket, uh, something like that. Uh, talking, talking about pumping tires. Um, most of the squad was, uh, you know, sort of as you expect. And in fact, the presence of Zach Crawley was as you'd expect. Um, I mean, he's been doing extremely Zach Crawley things at the start of this summer. 350 runs in nine innings with six scores of 12 or fewer and 170, uh, a score of 91 and a, and a 50. Um, but there weren't any other options. Once he'd ruled out putting best opener. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we're being gaslit by the selectors, aren't we? <laughs> we're just slowly coming around to the idea that this is, this is fine, and I, I think I'm I'm broadly okay with it. But there is a sense that if if they see something during the Ireland test, if he veers from from what they see in him anyway, then they will be, you know, coaxed into a change. I, I do think the presence of Dan Lawrence in that squad is in, is an interesting one. Because it not only speaks to the fact that they look, they're looking for an option in the middle, just uh, you know, as a spare batter anyway, and that Besto is locked as your as your keeper, because that position could have gone to Folks easily. Um, but Lawrence, 
over the past year or so has been talked of as an opening option. Um, even before McCullum and, and Stokes, he went on the tour of the Caribbean where England only went with Lees and Crawley as your recognised openers, but we were told that Lawrence is the spare opener. He's been asked about it before. He's been saying all the things you would say if they asked one of us, would you open the back of England? <laughs> yes, we would. Um, why wouldn't you if that was your way of getting in? Um, but it might be something that they are uh, quietly considering. Given all that was talked of today in the key press conference, it wasn't something that had come up, but it is something that's there. Um, and, you know, even the talk of Stokes um, opening, which, as ridiculous as it sounds, Atherton, Michael Atherton, um, I don't think he's written about it, but he was at the Oval last week when it was being discussed, and I've, I've never seen him look... Well, I've never seen him carry so much hate in his eyes for the idea, for the prospect of it. <laughs> but it is, but it is genuinely something that they they see as a potential option. I think it was talked of, talked of by a few journalists out in um, New Zealand. But I think some of the players, you know, just from the conversation that I've had over the last month or so, don't think it's the worst idea in the world. Because particularly if you know, if if he can't bowl and you know, let, let's Dan Lawrence can bowl. I mean, <laughs> let me tell you. No, 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 but, but you know, sorry, squirrel if, in a blender, it if, may be. If, but. if Stokes can't bowl, and um, if the knee is bad enough that it's affecting his batting in the way it was during the winter, why not just throw yourself up the order, mate, and almost reverse Brearley? You know, be be the you know all-encompassing captain, but. Do it at the top of the order. Yeah, I'm, I'm not averse to that notion either. I mean, the other other option is who's hiding in plain sight. Obviously, Joe Root, who's 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 got a got a successful record as an Ashes opener from 2013, wasn't it? His, mm. his rookie series, and uh, he nailed them, nailed them the audition. I mean, he's one of the few who's managed it. And again, it's uh, it's that it's what do you want from the the team that you've got at your disposal? You clearly want the baseball ethos to to permeate the entire team. And that's kind of the reason why Crawley has been retained because he, come rain or shine, he's going to basball it. But the best, the, the best exponent in many ways is, is, is the senior batter who has in some way, well, but actually both of them are guilty of it. Both Stokes and Root have been guilty of overplaying their hand because they are too good for this, frankly. You know, they don't, they don't need to play daft shots to be brilliant, but they have done because they've been almost sort of pepping along the rest of the team. So here we go, you know, we, we, we'll, 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 we'll make stupid errors too. You're, you're free, to, free to follow our lead and, and get it right. I mean, I don't, I'm not averse to the idea that, that Root or Stokes fronts up and, you know, just, just plays their natural game from the outset and then everyone follows their lead rather than the other way around. But the, the, the one danger, I suppose, of, of Crawley's retention is, uh, you know... And we saw this, I suppose, when, when Lee's got binned off at the end of last summer. It's like, there has to be a little bit of evolution in this squad, because if you don't evolve at a touch, and obviously Lawrence is lurking, so that's a good sign, but if you don't evolve at a touch, it does get a little bit, little bit culty. There is a danger that basketball doesn't become an ethos, it becomes more of a cult. And it's like I think we're already there. I, think I know, yeah. We're, I think we're past that. Yeah. It's like are, are we? Are we really? Purple juice and are we really? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I. I, we're I, off I think in the spaceship and touching down on another planet anytime soon. Well, yeah. Crawley. I mean, that, but I mean that is a really good point because Crawley is the one that makes people doubt the true ethos of what England are doing. Mm. Yeah. And the, and the trouble is, he. It's really annoying, actually. With his, as you mentioned at the top there, his scores this summer have been absolutely perfectly annoying it's like 170 
against Essex. 91 in another innings, a 56 elsewhere, and all those ducks and twelves and all the rest of it. It's exactly what he does for England. And therefore, he's in form, as far as England is concerned. Yeah. You, you can't... You, you, ideally, England would have been able to just quietly say, well, you know, you, you, you tailed off at the end of the winter after that Royal Pindy 100. You haven't really nailed it this summer. Uh, take a blow, mate. Well, you, you know, you're young enough to come again. But then he goes and scores a rollicking 170 against Essex. So, they say, oh, we can't get rid of him now. So, you know... It, it, I think, to be fair, there haven't been many match-winning moments for Kent because they haven't won many matches. Yeah, but, that's true. Uh, well, but to, to use an example of the guy batting at the other end of them again, I reckon if he posts ben, the numbers that Ben Compton has now, England probably have a word with him and say, what are you doing? <laughs> why, you know, why are you batting at a strike rate of 40? You know, that's not what you're about. <laughs> um, I, uh, just for my own amusement, really, but um, looked up... Uh, we're talking about unfulfilled talent that Zach Crawley after 33 tests averages 27.60 oh, uh, we'll go higher or lower here Mark Ramkash after 33 tests lower lower I think higher really gosh you tailed off 28.62 it did come down a bit mm-hmm. uh, Graham Hick after 33 tests higher it was higher quite a lot higher quite a lot higher because he, he, got, he, he got his breakthrough in India quite reasonably soon yeah, thirty-five point three at that point, and again, it, it it only got lower for both of them. So Crawley, I think it's crossed everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Right, we've uh, talked plenty about the men. Time to hear about what's been going on in the women's game with Valkyrie Baines and Fedos Munda. Here is a quick snippet from the ladies who switch on the international retirement of Catherine Siverbrunt. Uh, with a full show going on the feed soon. Probably going to happen a bit in the England team now that uh, Kat Silverbrandt has said that it. Were you surprised? Yeah, um, no, I was not surprised. Um, and I guess it kind of has happened a little bit um, differently to Shabnam Ismail because, I mean, we just sort of mentioned her going out on a, on a high, so to speak, with, you know, her, her team having um, reached that final of her home global tournament. And... Um, yeah, with Catherine Siverbrunt, it's it sort of she's almost just sort of very slowly and almost quietly, you know, gone into retirement. So there was a precursor to this with last summer when South Africa were over here and um, Catherine Siverbrunt um, retired from tests before that series started with a test. So she'd already got a taste of test retirement. And I sort of I spoke to her about that a little bit and and I think she found that really hard so when it came to not playing one day internationals anymore rather than announcing that that wasn't going to happen she just sort of quietly stopped playing them and and she said you know I thought I thought and hoped it would then just become obvious because I didn't want to go through another feeling of retirement and then uh, she sort of half jokingly half just stated that she was sort of getting asked every interview now about when she's going to retire and you know what's left for her to achieve and that sort of thing and and um she sort of wasn't real sure but I think she just basically decided look um I am going to have to actually say something rather than it just sort of be thought of, suspected, asked, you know, um, constantly. So she did decide to make that announcement that she has retired from international cricket after an absolutely glittering 19-year career. I mean, quite remarkable. And it was was quite um, lovely what she said in, in as part of her, you know, um, announcement was that she said the greatest achievement was the happiness that she's found with Nat 
her wife who remains in the team and um and is now going to sort of have to um play for England with England but without um Catherine so that will be you know something very very different for for her and then um they started to blood some new fast bowlers last year so sort of we saw in the so certainly in the T20 format which is where Catherine would have only really featured during the Ashes because she had retired from tests and wasn't playing one day as so um, they do have some young ones coming through, which they blooded before the Commonwealth Games. And that was, you know, the likes of Izzy Wong, um, Lauren Bell. She uh, made her debut alongside Wong in that test match um, against South Africa last summer. So they've been, you know, they've had a, a year now. And and also Freya Kemp, um, she had to then sort of stop and miss the World Cup with a, a back injury. So it's sort of waiting to see how she comes up. But they've got sort of three very young sort of seamers. Right. Thank you. Uh, Valkyrie any last thoughts uh, gents Jamie Smith to play a test by the end of the summer Steve Smith mooching around the shires watching it rain <laughs> I um, think they've done, they've done a number on Smith haven't they <laughs> all this talk about oh you know you'll get you'll get him in and you know you'll have a chance to you know get used to conditions again and can't get a bat anymore <laughs> yep, one, one innings one innings in each game a um, couple of catches keep your enemies closer <laughs> Uh, any, any kingfishers on the horizon for you, Miller? Well, I, I saw I saw saw my kingfisher twice in twice in three days, so I'm I'm delighted. Didn't see it this morning, but I'll, I'll, the I'll, same I'll, one, the same one, yeah, yeah, because they're they're very solitary solitary birds, you see. So once you find out where their perch is, you know where they're going to be. So they're going to swoop you up and down the river. It's very exciting. Actually, uh, to, to get back on track, the the, the Aussie England. <laughs> <needs> to... <laughs> what do you mean back on track? <laughs> <laughs> this the, is what it's really about. The uh, the could Aussie get a beer sponsor could have been kingfisher. Um, Michael Nisa, that's the other name that came to mind. Uh, he's doing all right, although he's not actually in Australia's squad. Well, he might be added, I think. It sounds like him and Sean Abbott. I mean, they they were deliberately not picked in the squad because they're here playing. And George Bailey, you know, picked those two out. He spent a lot of time talking about those two two people who weren't in the squad to make you think they're probably part of the squad, aren't they? And they'll be part of the training squad as well, ahead of the World Test Championship. But, yeah, Marnus is going well. Um, I mean... All this talk about how England are doing, I think Australia quietly, you know, that I don't think is, you know, it's anticipated because it's England's best chance to win since 2015. The way they're playing, the best chance to capture the general public's imagination, imagination since 2005. But, you know, Australia, are, they do have a lot about them. They are quite good, aren't they? There's a reason they haven't lost since 2015. Well, we'll wait and see what India do to them in the World Test Championship final before we reconsider that question uh, we're done with kingfishers we've got plenty of ducks to come i'm sure uh, that'll do us for now the ashes are on the horizon there's a small matter of an island test at laws before then and we all know how smoothly that went the last time we'll be back to see whether england get the rubber the green before taking on australia until then my thanks to miller and vish and to you all for tuning in to the switch it podcast on espncrickinfo.com